United Conservative Party leader Danielle Smith has won a majority government in the Alberta election. Two liberal ministers get absolutely ratioed on social media for two woke tweets. The liberal government has yet to retrieve more than 130000 paid to an anti-racist consultant, despite a history of anti-Semitism. Hello Canada, it's Tuesday, May 30th, and this is the True North Daily Brief. I'm Rachel Emanuel. And I'm Lindsay Shepard. We've got you covered with all the news you need to know. Let's discuss the top stories of the day and the True North exclusives you won't hear anywhere else. United Conservative Party leader Danielle Smith has won the Alberta provincial election and will continue as the next Premier of Alberta. The UCP finished the race with 49 seats, while Rachel Notley's NDP scraped by with 38 seats. The UCP had 52.6% of the popular vote, totaling just under 930,000 votes, while the NDP pulled through with 44% of the vote, totaling around 776,000 votes. During her speech, Smith said she is looking forward to continuing her work in balancing the province's budget, increasing funding in healthcare and education. Smith also challenged the Trudeau government's carbon tax and climate policies. Here's what that sounded like. And finally, my fellow Albertans, we need to come together no matter how we have voted to stand shoulder to shoulder against soon-to-be-announced Ottawa policies that would significantly harm our provincial economy. Now, we have been made aware that in the coming weeks, Justin Trudeau is planning on bringing forward new restrictions on electricity generation from natural gas that will not only massively increase your power bills, but will also endanger the integrity and reliability of our entire power grid, which we rely on during our cold and dark Alberta winters. In addition, the Prime Minister is already ready to introduce a de facto production cap on our oil and gas sector that, if implemented... If implemented, will result in tens of thousands of jobs lost, tens of billions in lost investment, damage our province's fiscal position, and bring economic hardship to Albertans. Now, I've made myself clear on this matter to the Prime Minister in person and in public, but I feel we need to do it again. Close races included UCP incumbent Tyler Shandrosi in Calgary, Acadia, which was lost to NDP candidate Diana Batten by seven votes. The UCP also lost Calgary Glenmore to NDP candidate Nagwan Alganiud, who won by 30 votes, and UCP incumbent Muhammad Yassin of Calgary North, who won the race against NDP candidate Rajesh Angral by 113 votes. Well, Lindsay, this is pretty much exactly what everyone expected, a very narrow United Conservative Party majority government, and a lot of these races, as we've been saying for weeks, were decided in Calgary by just a couple hundred votes. Did you stay up last night to watch the results as they came in? Um, I'm a British Columbian, so I'm not as invested in the Alberta election, but I did stay up to to catch the result, and um, I was following along because it, it does say a lot about Canada at large, and Smith really has a lot of good ideas that I hope other provinces will follow. Like now, I'm hoping that we'll see her implement the Safe Streets Action Plan and have violent offenders who are out on bail be monitored 24-7 with ankle bracelets. That's uh, one thing she wanted to do. The other is the Compassionate Intervention Act. So addicts who are a danger to themselves and others around them can get assistance at a treatment facility and um, it would be forced. 
uh, if they are a danger to themselves and others around them. So hopefully if these things are successful, provinces like mine and others will follow. You know, I really like that perspective because I talked to so many conservatives outside of Alberta who said, uh, I'm not an Albertan. This election has no bearing on me. But I definitely didn't agree with that take because I see more what you're saying. You know, Alberta is a very conservative province. Danielle Smith is arguably one of the most conservative leaders we have in the country right now. You know, probably her and Pierre Polyev. Obviously, there's some difference there in their specific brands of conservatism. But if this type of conservatism, a real conservatism, can't even be won in Alberta, it would signal to the rest of the country that it probably can't be won anywhere anymore. And so I think it would have been a bad thing. I think it would have been a bad thing for Canadian conservatives if Danielle Smith lost. And of course, you know, she's been attacked relentlessly by mainstream media for so long now. And I just am frustrated with how little effort so many of these reporters put into understanding conservatives in Canada, but especially in places like Alberta, you know, they sort of sit up in Ottawa and criticize that conservatives in Alberta for being racist and all these things without actually coming here and understanding it's sort of just a cop-out. So uh, I think this is a good thing for conservatism. There were so many votes that were so close in, in many writings, and I know people felt a little bit on edge about that, but she was able to eke out a win at the end of the day, despite many odds being against her. Two liberal ministers faced a wave of backlash over the weekend, prompted by a series of woke tweets meant to celebrate drag queens and raise awareness about Menstrual Hygiene Day. Minister of Defense Anita Anand posted photos of herself with several drag queens, calling drag entertainment, quote, one of Canada's fundamental freedoms. Anand's tweet quickly unleashed a wave of criticism, with some Canadians questioning the purpose of her tweet as a defense minister. Other users pointed to the fact that nobody has had any issues with adult drag entertainment in Canada, but there have been protests opposed to such shows being put on for children. Meanwhile, Minister of Women and Gender Equality Marcy Ian tweeted about wearing a menstruation bracelet on World Menstrual Hygiene Day. Users were quick to question Ian's assertion that menstruation has been a taboo in Canada. Anita Anand's tweet, you know, where she calls... Um, drag entertainment, one of Canada's fundamental freedoms, you know, it, it just makes you scoff because, oh, is this the charter of freedoms? And, you know, the, this liberal government, they'll call the Emergency Act on the Freedom Convoy. They'll pass a bill like C-11, which de-boosts uh, certain content that Canadians see on, on platforms like YouTube. So if the content isn't government approved, then it will be de-boosted. Uh, they passed that bill. And the liberal convention recently, the Liberals there passed a motion so that news companies cannot use anonymous sources. So it's not official policy, but this is what the Liberal base wants. They want stories like uh, the Chinese election interference scandal to be quashed. Uh, Yet then they'll go on to make declarations like expressing yourself through drag is one of Canada's fundamental freedoms. But apparently everything else I just mentioned is you are not free to do, are not our freedoms. Um, What do you think about these tweets? I think that you've hit the nail on the head. I don't think this liberal government has a leg to stand on when they're talking about fundamental freedoms. They have proved time and time again that they aren't interested in ensuring and protecting Canada's fundamental freedoms like freedom of speech, like freedom of assembly, like freedom of religion. And yet we're supposed to believe that 
dressing up as a drag queen is a fundamental freedom. You know, fine, dress up as your drag queen. I don't think we need to call that a fundamental freedom, but let's talk about the actual basic protections that we need to protect our Western democracy that this government has trampled on time and time again. And I think, of course, the Emergencies Act being invoked during the Freedom Convoy is a perfect example of that. So no, this is absolutely tone deaf. This liberal government, once again, can't see the plank in their own eye. And then as for Marcy Ian's tweet, you know, there's this kind of new leftist term. It's been around for a while period poverty this is kind of in the same the same stream as menstrual hygiene day um this isn't my original idea but i saw some people talking about on twitter what what even is period poverty because it's just poverty if you can't afford the products you need to live everyday life and meet your basic needs then you're living in poverty uh why do we need to put these weird spins on everything it's um, we need to address poverty in general. And I, I'm empathetic to the fact that women who are in poverty are, are put in very vulnerable situations. Um, so I'm not dismissing that. I'm just saying why this this strange focus on menstruation and, and, and this menstruation bracelet. Uh, and as other people have pointed out, the taboo doesn't exist in Canada. So, you know, to give Marcy Ian the benefit of the doubt, as I like to do, Maybe she just should have put more of an emphasis on the fact that she was talking about the world at large, where, you know, maybe in some nations for a week every month, you, you're banished to a hut. Uh, women are ban- banished to a hut. So, you know, that I mean, that doesn't happen in Canada, though. So she should have maybe made that clear. No, exactly. There's very few topics that are, in fact, taboo in Canada. We discuss many things that I wish we didn't discuss. But you you raise a valid point. I never even really thought about the fact that women in poverty, it's just that, it's poverty, which also affects their ability to purchase menstruation products. However, I would add that if you are in need of menstruation products, I believe they are offering them for free at men's washrooms all over the country now, and I can assure you the men aren't using them. So I would suggest maybe finding a male friend to head in there and grab some for you for free because they are rather expensive and you know somebody should at least be using them. The Liberal government has yet to retrieve the nearly 130000 paid to anti-racist consultant Laith Maroof, and nobody at the Ministry of Canadian Heritage has been disciplined or fired for approving the contract despite Maroof's history of anti-Semitism. Conservative Deputy Leader Melissa Lansman grilled Minister of Canadian Heritage Pablo Rodriguez and others on Monday during a House of Commons Heritage Committee meeting, inquiring what had been done since the scandal surfaced last year. Instead of answering the question, Rodriguez turned to his deputy minister. In response, Deputy Minister of Canadian Heritage Isabel Mondeau revealed that the government was still, quote, in recovery and was relying on a debt collection agency and the CRA to retrieve the funding from Maroof. Last year, a series of social media posts by Maroof prompted an investigation by the federal government and a subsequent cancellation of a contract with Maroof's organization, the Community Media Advocacy Centre. Despite being hired on to consult in an anti-racism capacity, Maroof made several disparaging and dehumanizing statements towards the Jewish community. There is a couple factors at play in this story. For one thing, the fact that this individual was ever even hired to conduct anti-racism training despite having a series of anti-Semitic posts. Again, not super surprising under the Liberal government where it seems that contracts and individuals are not being properly vetted. But another thing is, of course, every time we read about a parliamentary committee, it just seems to reveal that the processes are breaking apart. For example, 
Minister Rodriguez is unable to answer the question on his own and is relying on his deputy. We see that so often in these parliamentary committee meetings where ministers finally appear. Usually it can be very difficult to get them to appear in the first place and then are unable to answer the questions or simply refuse to do so. So uh, quite a number of frustrating factors at play in this story here. Lindsay, what's your take? Yeah, I think it makes it clear that, um, you know, the the Lathamroof case shows that when you have so many layers of bureaucracy in government, no one ends up responsible. It's hard for them to pin down who approved this or or anything because there are so many different, like, you know, the, it's so bloated in the government bureaucracy. And at the end of the day, this is the result is no one's really accountable or responsible or they're they're able to perhaps cover it up in a way. That's it for today. And don't forget to check in at www.tnc.news throughout the day for all the news you need to know. And if you're able, please consider supporting independent media. You can do that over at donate.tnc.news. Thanks for listening and have a great day.